black preachers who are, are racist in their hearts. Uh, they, are, they are not called by God, but they've been called by their mama. The Jesse Lee Peterson Show is the only program in existence which deals straight up with black Americans. So-called civil rights leaders want them angry, dumbed down, and demoralized. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this, the purpose of this program is to reveal the lie so that you can see the truth. We want to help people overcome. And as a man or woman of God, we have a responsibility to overcome. As a matter of fact, it is impossible to believe in God and not overcome. So we're dealing with that. My guest today is Samuel Norris. And today we're going to talk about how to overcome drugs and alcohol and sex and, and everything else. Samuel, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Um, you, first of all, you're a Christian, right? Yes, I am. And how long have you been a Christian? Uh, faithfully six years. About six years? Yes. H how did you become a Christian and why? Well, it, it started when... Um, a lifestyle I was living, a criminal lifestyle. Uh, I was arrested and incarcerated, and it's kind of like the prodigal son story, uh, being left alone. And I came to a point in my life where I had to deal with the man in the mirror, and um, and I came to myself and I cried out to Jesus, you know, and and. And that's the process started there, which was uh, early 95 uh, in the county jail. And uh, the enemy didn't like it. And, uh, and when I sincerely started seeking the Lord in the waiting process of going to the prison, the enemy attacked my body and, and I had a temperature of 104.7. I was considered clinically dead. and, and uh, and, and there was a nurse come to me, and she told me, this Bible that you're reading, this is the one you need to believe in and not the doctors, because they couldn't find out why the temperature was so high. So were you in jail at the time? I was in jail at the time. You were sick? I was sick. And you almost about to die? I was almost dead. Really? Yes. And then at that point, you decided you wanted to believe in God? I believe in the whole truth. Oh, yeah? The whole and world. And what happened then? Did you change? Did you get well? Yes, I, I get well. I had went through so much uh, tests, so many radiation scan and, uh, and getting so much dye shot into my body trying to find out what was the problem. And it was the very next day after this nurse told me, this Bible that you're reading, you need to look to him. Had you ever read the Bible, had you read the Bible prior to that? Well, coming into the county jail, I had started. Uh -huh. Now, like all, all of us young people, uh, our parents, some way or another, had introduced us to their God or, or the Bible. And, and in my case, I was introduced to it at an early age, but at the age of 12, it was like I was introduced to the world, too. And, and, and that's when I just forgot about God. Right. And, and why, why were you in jail? Uh, well, the charge was robbery threat. Uh, the reason for it, I uh, started dealing with some drugs and then I find myself using the same drugs I was. Oh, so you were selling and using? Yes. And when you say robbery, you tried to rob someone? 
Yes, it was a, like, give, give me this microphone or I'm going to do something to you. Oh, I that see. was the robbery by threat. Well, why were you uh, uh, selling drugs? Were you selling before using them? Which came yes, it, well, it was a give or take thing because it, from an early age, I was always introduced to drugs. Drugs was a normal thing in my environment, uh, uh, hustling, thievery. Oh, shystiness, well, you, you know, the street life, right. and, and that's, I lived it, I breathed it, I, and not to give praise to it, but that's, that's what I had become conditioned to do and so be. So while growing up, that's what, that's the only thing you were introduced yeah. to for the most part. Right, although I had great jobs, I drove trucks for 13 years, I had good jobs to carry air conditioning, pay good money, and but I would always revert back to the childhood behavior, right. such as, you know, well, this ain't I'll just make a little money just for some pleasure. Did you uh, know that selling <clears throat> drugs and using drugs were wrong at the time? Did you know you were doing wrong, or did you think you were doing right? Yes, well, see, sometimes, <clears throat> Jesse, we can, we can know that it's wrong, but we can convince ourselves wrong is right. So yeah. you knew it was wrong, so you just, but you just said the hell with it. Yeah, the, the, the hell with it. it. Everybody else doing it, you know. Right. Uh, and it was something that I had been conditioned, like I said, from an early age. I knew how to do it. Right. I knew how to do it. and and But in my knowing how to do it, I never did use it. And when I made the choice to use it, and a whole different behavior took right. on. Why did you decide to use it? Well, I went to your, your, your town down in San Diego, and, 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 <laughs> and I tried it down there uh, back in 89, and, and that was going to be just me and San Diego, a little secret. But never thinking that once I got back to Texas that it, w it would hunt me. And, and, and once I had it in my system, I craved it, and, yeah. and, and it took on a new meaning for my life. And, wow. You um, were you raised were you raised by both parents or? Yes, I was. By both parents. Both working parents, good, good loving parents. You had your father and mother in the home. Had both of them in the home. Really, and how did they feel about you selling and using drugs? Well, <clears throat> for the <clears throat> best part, to my knowledge, Jesse, my mother never knew. She never knew that was something. That behavior I kept away from her. At what age did you start selling it? Well, like I say, from <clears throat> from early. From say 76, 75, when you can buy about ten dollar lid of marijuana and syrup and trees and you know those type of drugs that was a choice back then. And then <clears throat> when I get up into my adult age, I carry that behavior into my adulthood. And, and so you did it without your mother even knowing about it or father knowing about it at all. Did well, they they know? assume they they are. Um, they thought because of my association, but they never had the evidence. Really? Did yeah. they try to get the evidence? Well, several times, you know, uh, because of my behavior when I would enter the home, they would notice that, you know, it was something different about me. And, and But nevertheless, for us just hand-on evidence, they never saw it. And I was <clears throat> considered a black sheep of the family, for those who understand what a black sheep of the family is. And, and, now, once I was introduced to the streets, I, I felt I didn't need a father or mother anymore. Right. And, and, and the streets became my father and my mother and my brothers. How many, so you have other brothers and sisters? Yes, I, I do. And where are you in the family? I'm the oldest boy. Oh, you're the oldest? Mm -hmm. Bad example for them. Bad example? And so then, but not today. You felt as though you were the black sheep? Other family? Yes. And, and why did you feel that way? Well, because I, I by being the oldest and, and, 
oldest boy that had two sisters that was older than me. Uh, oh, you was the oldest boy? Yes. But there were two girls older That was older than me. Oh, okay. And, and I saw a lot of favoritism, you know. Uh, Coming that, from who? Which parents? From, from both parents. From both parents. From both parents. And, and, uh, and, and you, 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 I can't explain how it really feels to sit there and see four other siblings be treated totally different from you. And, and, and it hurts. But at the same time, so you you, re, you resented you resented your parents for uh, treating your sisters and your two sisters better than you. Right. Did you ever go to them about it? Well, yeah, I used to tell them. I think re reason you treat me like this because they gave you the wrong child. Oh yeah. It used to make my mother cry. Wow. Yeah. And and your father, what would he say about it? Oh, he didn't care. He didn't care. He he loved me. He loved me through material things. He wasn't the, the guy. That he was the provider. He made. I never can remember a day hitting the light switch. It was no light. I can never remember the day opening the ice box. That was no food. You know. I never remember the day that we didn't have. But that intimate relationship, dad and son, I didn't. Right. And I saw that he was given to my two younger brothers, and that just tear me up. And so, um, <clears throat> are you his son? Yes. Well, so you're well, definitely by, his son. By birth certificate, I believe I am. Why do you think he treat you different than the rest? I don't know. You still don't know? I don't know. He dead now. He's dead now? Yeah. So you never found out why he treated you? Well, just as you know, Paul talks about, but when I became a man, and, 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 and before he stated that, he said he'd done childish things, foolish things. Upon my relationship with Jesus, I... I, I had the courage then to, and that was my heart desire, to get out and, and, and try to find out from my father, but God didn't permit that. Uh, oh, he didn't give you a chance to talk to your dad and work it out? No, because he had died while I was incarcerated. Oh, I see. And three months later, I, my mother died after he died. And uh, 30 days before I was released, my sister died. And those were three people that I had needed to to really talk to about some things that had taken place back in the early years of our lives, you know, I, I, wow. the favoritism start, started with the sister who died oh, okay. over me, and the oldest sister, she's always the married one, and and so she she was more understanding, and mm -hmm. she couldn't quite understand why, but she kind of like went along with the majority, you know, really? if, if they thought I was, you know, it wasn't going to be nothing. Then she felt the same way too. Until today, she don't see it that way. So your older sister felt you were would never be anything. Yeah, because this is what she heard daddy say, mama say, you know. Yeah. So um, have you? I mean, have you gotten over that? Oh sure, you have? sure. I, I have forgiven. You know, uh, all harm done to me emotionally from parents and sisters. Yeah. And brothers, yes. Had you, do you think that had you, had your father and mother treated you better and you lived in the same environment, but closer to them, wouldn't you have done the things you did? I believe not, Jesse. I believe if I would have gotten the same love that was given to the other children, right. when I would go to the neighborhood store, I would do just that, go to the store and go back home. That's right. But because that was opportunity and, and then, like I say, where this family didn't accept me and understand, the streets did. 
Yeah. See? That's right. And 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 because the streets understood me and accepted me who I was, uh, I always say where man spends his time, that's where his heart is. That's right. And I find myself spending my time in the street because my heart was there then. You know. What type of person what type of person are you? Today? Yeah. I think I'm a, <clears throat> a man who walk in the ways that pleases God because the scripture tells us even when your ways pleases God, he make even your enemies to be at peace with you. And I have several enemies that I know that they're just at peace with me. So I would say I'm a man that's walking, trying to please God the best I can. And um, to be one just being released from TDC, it would be a year in March that What's I've been TDC? in Texas Department of Corrections. Oh, okay. And, and it's, it would be a year, March 6th, that I've been free. And God, because of the choice of serving God inside of there, God has restored just about 80% of everything the enemy stole from me. You know, yeah. he has blessed me with a, a beautiful wife, a home, a business. And in the process of opening another business, and he gave me a a, a new associate uh, group of people that just love him. And um, so you you were telling me before the show that you had been married before. Yes. And you now have six children. Yes. Five by one wife and another by that you had prior right. to her. Right. Do Do you have a good relationship with them? Children. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, you know. Up until I was released and two months after being released is when I tried to contact them because I need them to know that I'm out and I want to do my duty as a father in the child support area. Right. And, and, and we tried. We called sheriff department, police department, all around Indiana trying to get this number. But, and then one, God, one day God just made it possible for us to locate one person that the Holy Spirit reminded me of and and, right. and I was able to just get the name, get the number, and dad was, and then we started communicating. Uh, I can't say it, it's like I would like it to be, but it's a door open. Yes. You know, and, and. This is with one other son, the oldest, or with all of them? This is with all of them. Oh, yeah? But the, see, the, the oldest, the oldest of the five, he come down. Oh, okay. And I guess I, I, I told him he just come out to spot the land. Right. For the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, so. What type of life are your children having now as a result of not having you in their life? Well, I tell you, Jess, it's a, it's a, it's a hurtful thing to, to hear your son talk to another man and, and, and tell him he loves him and, and, and say, I love you, daddy. To someone else. To someone else. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the result of what I was sowing. Yeah. See, I come to understand, Jesse, if, uh, if, if you don't raise your children, somebody will. Either yeah. the street or some man, you know, drug, someone will raise them. And in this case, uh, God opened the door for this man to be the overseer of him at the time, which I respect that. Yeah. You course. know, I respect mm -hmm. that. And, uh, because he done some things that I wasn't able to do, you know. Are you, have you, so you went to all of your children and apologized for not being there? I hadn't seen them face to face, only the, the oldest. They, they live so many miles away. No, oh, I see. And, and, Do and you plan to go to them? Well, they plan to come, come this summer and, oh, okay. and stay. Come and visit with you? Yeah, for the summer. Oh, okay. Uh, the summer coming. All of them? Yes. So the stepfather doesn't mind them coming no, to be with you? No, 
that's a good thing. Then. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's a good thing. And the mother doesn't mind. Their mother don't mind. No. That's good. It, it will have to be their choice, and so far right. it's been their choice. How old? How old is the youngest? Well, Jesse, he's he's right at ten now. When I left mm -hmm. him, he had just started walking. Wow. And and, and the oldest is twenty. You say? No, the oldest is, he will be eighteen, 18. in November. And you, the last you saw him before recently was well, the day I got the handcuffs put on. I just picked him up from school. And he was what seven? You he said? was seven turning That's eight. That's amazing, man. Yeah. So when you first talked to them, what was it like for you? Well, because I'm in, uh, <coughs> was released from TDC, I, I have a counselor, and, and, and I, I was informing him of the, uh, uh, the visit, and, and he called me late the night, said, God told me to tell you, uh, for the first two or three days, just be the student to your son, just listen. And, and that I did. Right, and, and, that's and, a good idea. And, and I just listened to him and, and learned a lot of things, and it was really, I think, on the fourth or fifth day, that, that I really start to explain to him right. who I am today and, and how I was able to see where I feel as a father, right. you know, and, and he understood that. And then the most blessed moment is when he and my wife sit at the table and open up the Word of God and share the Word of God with him. And he shared what he knew of the Word of God with us. Right. So it was a blessed moment. That's good. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a, what do you think the main, the primary reason that people use drugs and alcohol? You know, what is the primary reason? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge yeah. of what? Of uh, responsibility uh, uh, for for the man, true sense of the word, being a man. What is a man? A man is someone. Okay, my definition of a man back then was just someone who paid bills, buy tennis <laughs> shoes, yeah. car dog. You know, just typical family, you know. Right. But to me, a man was one who teaches his children, his family, biblical principles. Because somewhere in the Word it says, you train this child up in the way he should go. Right. And when he's old, he should not depart. Well, I asked the church one time, I spoke out, how are you training your children? Is you training your children when Mr. Norris come over? Go get him a be out the icebox because this is the way my father trained me. Yeah. See, he had made arrangement with the neighborhood store at the age of 12. I had driver's license since the age of 14 to go and get fifths of liquor, cases <laughs> yeah. of beer. So, see, this is how my father yeah. trained me. He yeah. had a tab at every store. My son come up in here and get it, just know I'm sending him, give it to him. So after a while, guess what? Daddy said, give me a half a paint. Yeah. And the man had snapped the daddy and never bought a half a paint. He bought fifth the half paint for me. See, That's so right. this is the way my daddy trained me up. So that, to me, that wasn't being a man. That was just being a provider. So you say a man is, is one that teaches his children? Biblical principle, man, and to me, I, you know, a man should be one who, who studied the Word of God with his family, his wife. Uh, he should be the one who, who teaches his children the responsibility of fellowshipping with God. He should teach his children uh, the seriousness of, of, of openness, of communication. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, when, when your peers introduce you, you know, I had a brother tell me a few days ago that when his, his, his daughter told him something that she was introduced to him, he just beat her all up with abusive words. Mm -hmm. And the trust was destroyed. Yeah. Because you told me, baby, you can come talk to me about everything. And then when I do, 
you know, you, you accuse me. And I'm saying, Daddy, this him what happened today. I noticed that um, most black men, not all, mm -hmm. uh, most black men, black preachers, mm -hmm. and not just black, but black men and preachers, including the preachers, are very weak and pathetic, and they know the Bible. You know, they're into the Word, they go to church a lot, but they still are not men. Have you noticed that? Yes, I mean, and this is basically what this book is about. My my wife is writing, and that's why I was telling you earlier. You and her is, is so much commonality there, and uh, and she she has great amount of wisdom, more than I could ever hold right now. And but God has given it to me. Uh, I think that the the leaders we went to a seminar, and the, the brother was teaching on spiritual abuse, and it's coming from the from the pastors. And, and, and I'm seeing a lot of them, they get a few scriptures and, and, they, and they know how to manipulate the scriptures and, and kind of like what Paul say, they tell the people what they want to hear. Right. And, you know, and, and, but they, they preaching, you don't do this, but if you look at their life outside the church, they're doing the very same thing That's that right. they preaching to you on Sundays not to do. So it is possible to know the scriptures and yet not be a man. Well, the word of God says uh, uh, Satan, he himself, can form, be formed into an angel of light. So, sure, and, and he's the most craftiest, you know. Right. So, sure, he can use whoever are willing to be used. So what's the purpose of knowing the scripture then if it's not going to cause you to become a man? Well, I'm, I used to study in prison and, and the brother Charles Swindoll. I think that's his name, or Chuck Swindoll. In the beginning of every every book he wrote, he said, knowledge without application is vain knowledge. Yeah. See, it, 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 it's a lot of head knowledge, a lot of knowledge that are in the heart, but there's so many do not know how to apply the application part of the knowledge. How does one read the Bible Know the scriptures and then apply them. How do you for apply instance, Jesse, the word? For instance, the Bible says in the book of James, I believe, and just paraphrasing, that if a man claim a faith or religion and cannot control his tongue, that religion is in vain. So right there, if the word of God says you say you're a man of God, but you're using the B's and the F word, the word says that, that faith or that religion is in vain. So you're saying that one. So, so you apply. Well, I know to be a man of God, I need to eliminate these words from my vocabulary. Stop cursing. Stop. So that's the application. You don't curse anymore. No. No one can make you mad enough to curse. Oh sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Let me drop some on my toe. You might hear something you don't want to hear. Let's let, let's just put that out there for the rough. Yeah, sure. I know. I'm not there yet, but right. I'm 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 so much better than what I used to be. Are you? Are you? Do you have peace within? Oh man, you I'm very protected. I'm very protected. Anything, and I tell my wife all the time, when anything starts invading that peace, I get somewhere or I send this somewhere. If I'm in an area where I have put myself for my peace to be invaded, I'm getting somewhere. But if that invasion is in my arena, in my home, in my business, then you're getting somewhere. So, why, why do you think that, uh, because we run out of time for this portion, I know I'll bring you back next yeah. week, but. Why do? Why is that so many black men are having such a hard time in life? You think? Well, I, I would say it begins in the home, Jesse. I, I, it's so many of us 
black people are being raised by single parents and the woman is trying to fulfill the role of the man yeah. and the wife, you know. I think if man get back into his right position where God created for man to be, right. the, the head and not the tail. Are you man, the head in your home? Yes, I am. Besides Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. me, my wife, children, right. business, you know. But I, I, And that's proper order. That's the way it God is. ordained it from the world. So, uh, and I just, I'm just learning this, uh, right. you know, proper know you order. And, yeah. and I tell you, it's nothing can be compared to it. That's right. You know, when you have a wife, but I tell you, Paul talks about being unequally yoked. You cannot be the head of your home if you want to pray and go to church and your wife want to go to the clubs. It can't, it, it don't work. Yeah. It don't work. What's your purpose in life, do you know? Oh, to be a servant of the Lord. To serve him? How? Through, uh... Right now, he have gave me a great burden for men who lived the life I once lived. Were you a bad guy before? Yes, like, I was the guy you didn't like, Jesse. Oh, yeah? I was the guy who would steal something from you and help you look for it. And if need <laughs> be, I call the police and, and, and we'll do this thing. Really? And I have your stuff all the time on me. And so, would you like fight a person real fast? I mean, yeah, easy, I was very, I was very angry. Anger. I was very angry. Oh. I was angry because I wasn't heard in the home, Jesse. Oh, I see. Because yeah. I wasn't hurt, shut up, you stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm knowing within myself, what I'm saying is more important and more right than what he or she is saying, which was my brother's That's sister. right. I understand that. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of anger, so it didn't take much to put me on tilt. So you're over that anger now? Oh, sure, sure. And once you get over the anger, you no longer need the drugs and stuff? No, don't never have a desire for it. My desire today is to make sure other men stay off the drugs. So are you, gonna, are you working with other men to do As that? As a matter of fact, I just started an accountability class last Thursday night for the first night, and, and all of them are drug ex-drug addicts. Is there, is there a way, a phone number or something? We yes, have a yes, we can. You can call at 325-728-3227. 325 728 32 27. Yes. Oh, okay. And they can get in touch with you and your program. Right, right. And you're helping other men. Do you work with men and women or just well, men? Well, I work with the men's because I prefer my wife to work with the women's because she is licensed, the ordained faith belief, faith based belief therapist. Oh, okay. And, and, and we, we are licensed on the therapon. And uh, we come to believe that people do what they do because people believe what they believe. Wow. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what we're going to do is keep you over, mm -hmm. and I'll say to the audience that Sammy is going to stay over, so when you see him next week, we're both going to have on the same thing, but we're going to continue this discussion next week, so be sure to tune in. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Welcome to the program. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. We're doing a part two series on how to overcome drugs and alcohol, uh, anger, how to have a good life. My guest is Samuel Norris. He's, the, uh, um, he's gone through a lot of this stuff, you know, had to deal with drugs and uh, been in jail before and now is now having a good life. He's married, uh, has his own business. And so he's helping us to understand how to overcome these things and succeed in life. And Samuel, thanks for staying and doing a part two series yeah. with me. I appreciate Welcome that. Welcome anytime. Uh, first, I want to, I don't want to go through a lot of stuff that we've gone over okay. already. I want to ask you, 
for people who don't know, you know, feel that they can't get over this stuff, you know, it, it seems as though life is helpless to them. They have tried to get over and, and find themselves going back to it, you know, to drugs or alcohol, whatever the problem may be. What would you say to them? I would say to that individual, rather be male or female, to uh, seek God, pray, uh, uh, cry with a sincere heart, uh, and ask God to, to lead you to someone who understands the problem. Because just I tell you, <clears throat> I learned that it's impossible for you to tell me that crack is bad for me if you're never drinking anything but orange juice. See, it's, it's, it's easy for you to say it's bad, but you don't understand the condition I'm in now that it's in my system. Right. See, uh, so uh, it, it takes a very unique person, someone who have experienced and know how the drug will rob you of your dignity. So you're saying that uh, in order for uh, uh, a drug addict or an alcoholic to be helped, it has to be another person who has gone through that? Well, not 100%, yeah. but it's easier for that person to open up because I found in my experience that uh, many of us have went to drugs because of some emotional damage in the home, yes. you know, uh, we result to that. And like I said in the earlier show, and, and a, a high percent of it is because we wasn't heard in the home, right. you know. And, and I think that's a leading cause. Yeah, because we are not heard. Parents. Yeah, we, you know, we are not heard. Yeah. And, and, and another because the man is lacking in the home, right. and, and that have led to it because you got the females now. I, I, I know from experience that. The average project, uh, a government project, you have your little uh, peddlers there. They will move in in these these little uh, single parent home with these females, and the females think the men like them. But the only thing is, it's a camp for them to distribute their drugs, yeah. and this is the exposure to the kids, you know. Yeah. And, and so, I would actually say, you know, it, it's great counselors out there because my wife, uh, she never done crack, but she has had some addiction in her past life and uh, were drinking, but, but she was able to go to a deliverance ministry and be set free from it. Right. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily a fact that one must be a, a ex-addict to help another ex-addict right. come out of it. Is it hard to overcome, um, uh, you know, I'm told by a lot of cocaine addicts that it is probably the most hardest drug to overcome. Is that true? It is. It is. Why is cocaine so hard to overcome? Uh, well, it's not the cocaine. It's the crack cocaine. That is the hardest to overcome. See, that's two separate things now, you know. What's the difference in the cocaine because and the you, crack you, cocaine? Because you, 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 you're sniffing, you're, you're snorting it, and, and it's going straight, but it's, it's when you're inhaling it. I, it's, a, it's a different chemical or mixture that they have done to it. It, you know, they formed it into a rock, so when you put the fire on it, 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 it just, it's a rush. I have snorted cocaine, and, and it's not the same feeling that you get when you smoke it. Oh, okay. See, if you snort, if you catch a, a man who snorts cocaine, or a woman who snorts cocaine, she won't really get out there on the streets as bad as one who smokes it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Crack cocaine have been the only cocaine that we know today that would cause uh, 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 a mama to sell the daughter. 
wow. or daddy yeah. to say, or the mama. I have experience I've said in that setting <laughs> yeah. where the man have said, man, look, man, you know, I know you want my wife, give me some dope, you know, and I have seen uh, <clears throat> instance where, where the mother, you know, I know, you, you know, he go a child, and I remember me and a couple of guys beat the dude up because he even sent the woman in there with the child. We had actually went out to the street and beat him up, but sending his wife in to sell his child for some drugs, you know what I'm saying? So it's a powerful drug crack. And wow. it's, it's real But you can't overcome you it. You can't overcome it. You can't overcome it. By the grace of God. I tell you, if you just cry out to God, for me, I had to ask to take the desire. I used to actually have dreams about it while I was in, in jail. And I'm, the dream was as if I had the crack in the pipe and I was just enjoying myself. <laughs> and I, I couldn't handle it no more. Wow. But I asked God to remove that, yeah. and he did. So when you tried to stay, when you're in jail and couldn't get to it, you would dream about it? I would dream about it. I would think about it, you know. And then I would get high just talking about it, you know what I'm saying? It was just a high for me just to tell you the high of the high. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been off drugs? Uh, since 94. 94. Mm -hmm. And did you ever imagine that you could have a life without drugs? Man, I never thought I could. You never thought you could? No, I never thought I could. What, what, is, what is the difference? in the two lives? Well, uh, security, peace, joy. You feel better, feel, more I mean, secure I now? Sleep. You know, it's amazing you ask that question. The difference is the same authority that I used to run from is the same authority now that comes sit in my office. What, what do you mean by the that? The sheriff, the mayor, the city manager. Oh, I see. Uh, oh, I see. You know saying. what I'm saying? Warden, the same the warden, some of the same people used to have authority over me in the prison, I fellowship with. Wow. And you oh, never imagined you would have that. Yeah, I, I you couldn't have told me in '94. Go ahead on do this time. When you come back, you're gonna be a different person and a better person. You couldn't have made me believe that. <laughs> um, let me. I, I hear this a lot in the black community. Uh, black people killing one another. Mm -hmm. You know, black people ro robbing each other. They shouldn't rob anybody, mm -hmm. but black people robbing one another. When you were doing drugs and stuff and commit crime to another black person, mm -hmm. toward another, or on a black, another black person. Did that bother you that the person was black? No. You didn't care that you were black? Uh, you had something I want, and I was going to get it. It didn't care if you were black or white, but it, it was so easy to get the black man. It was so e yeah. easy yeah, to get the black man. You, because you, you're there, you think like him, you know how he think, you know his, his movement, you know his going and coming. Right. So See, you, it's easy to stay in your own neighborhood and commit the crime because now if I go stand up in real votes, I'm going to stand out like a soaked arm. Right. You got a black in the neighborhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it was easy to commit the crime where you live. Um, and so, you know how they had this thing, well, black people already gone through a lot, you know, slavery and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the black man keeping the black man down, it didn't bother you. Uh, uh, None of that stuff no. occurred to you. Did it occur no. to you that why am I robbing this black person who's already gone through a lot? Well, I, 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 because of my choice, I, I chose it. And, and, and it so it, it never it, occurred to you? No, no, no. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter. It, it didn't, didn't matter if you were Rosa Park at that time. If you had something I wanted, <laughs> yeah. I was going to get it. But that was because I was so ignorant, man. I was really ignorant. I didn't have knowledge. I didn't, little knowledge that I did have to do right. I didn't know how to apply it. So uh, it's just one of the things, you know, you you just the the addiction itself it, it takes over you where you steal from your mama, steal from your brother, 
Did you ever feel bad about stealing from your parents? Or I never stole from from a black person. No, no, no. You never sat later and said, you know what? Well, after I was terrible. in jail, Jesse, and I, 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 I started allowing God to wash me up, clean me up, put me on the potter's wheel. It's something about the Holy Spirit. It's it, like a videotape went through my mind, a slow motion reminding me of everybody I harmed. Uh -huh. Those who meant me well and those who didn't mean me well. And I had to repent and ask for forgiveness for that. And, and this is where the peace well within me. Uh -huh. you know? So you, once you kind of look back on it, you can see what you had done. Yeah. You felt bad then. I felt bad. But prior to that, you never oh, felt bad. I, I didn't have, I, I made a, a deal with my conscience. You don't bother me and I won't bother you. Let me do my thing. Have you ever, <laughs> has anyone ever almost taken your life? Sure. As a result, when you were out there on the streets? Just I had a pistol put in my mouth by three times. Really? Yeah. You had a I pistol? Used to, a pistol put into my mouth by three times. I used to shoot pool a lot, and I was good. And I had a friend, his name was Hillbilly. And um, and he used to shoot dice. And I was the pool shooter. He'd be in the room shooting dice, and I'd be over here playing pool. And we did good. We did good. We used to hustle real good. But he learned the art of crooked dice. And by me and him being partners, right. I will always be faithful with death, maybe two or three times a month. You know, fight was, our way out of something or <laughs> fight our way into something. It was and always, it wasn't enough to stop you no, from doing what you were doing. No. Even guns in your mouth is not no, enough. It to began stop. to be an excitement. It was a, a sensation you you look for. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like a high. You know, some addictions. Some people are addicted to, to just getting away with yeah. stealing. Uh, uh, some people have an overwhelmed sensation of just slapping people. You know what I mean? And just like, you know, you just you get high off just the excitement come yeah. from slapping a person or, yeah. or close to death and you yeah. get away from yeah, it. Just, the, and just not getting caught. You know? if, did you think that if the black community, the, the, the people who did not commit crime, if they were armed, if they had guns in their homes and carried guns on themselves, would that have prevented a person like you from robbing them? Would, would you have given that a second thought? I'm going to tell you, I experienced something, Jesse, and, and I, it's amazing to ask that because I actually experienced this, but I don't know if the people had guns, but I have actually went into a house with a, friend, a cousin of mine, which is dead now, him and his girlfriend, when we knew the people was in their sleep. You know, and when you make up your mind to go into someone's house, you have made up your mind to hurt that person if they try to stop you. So you knew they were in the house before you went in. Yeah. If you had known that they were armed for sure, would you have gone in? I, I, I doubt it. But at that time, I was young. I just wanted to be a part of the in crowd. So if they say, let's do it, I probably would have went. It's hard to make that answer a yes or no. Yeah. yeah. It would seem to me if, uh, and I know, I understand what you're saying, but... I think that if gang members and drug addicts knew that every household could possibly have a gun or knew that they had a gun, I think that, that they would kind of think about it twice. But I think it's kind of common knowledge that most homes don't have guns mm -hmm. anymore. Is that, is that common knowledge it, to, uh, to the, with the criminal? To the norm, yeah, it yeah. is. It is. And because if you went to rob a white community, wouldn't that be one of the things you would consider that that person mm -hmm. may be armed? Armed or the house is armed with a security system, you right. know what I'm saying? So it does deter a little bit to know it, that. It do, it do. It helps a lot. Yeah. But I tell you, if if you if you is what the word on the street when you're needing your drug of choice, if you geeking, you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't care if it's President Bush, man. 
If he got it and you think you can go in there and get it and get away with it, you're going to do it. What kind of person did, did you look for to rob or, you know, when you were working when you people, on? working people, uh, people who had something better than I had. Oh, okay. See. Would you look for a person that... It, it would be nonsense to go to the project and, and rob somebody who's on welfare or <laughs> somebody who's on Social Security. So you like walk around yeah, the well, area yeah. and look for the person that had a job? Yeah, ride around. Ride around like yeah. they have something. Yeah, you can look by, tell by the yards, their cars in the driveway, you know. Have you ever taken a life? No. You never killed anyone? No. Yeah. Wanted to. Could have. Saw a lot of life taken. What prevented you from taking a life? It was something I had drew some invisible boundary lines that I knew oh. I wouldn't cross in my life, like shooting drugs. I knew I would never do that, but I have tried just about all type of drugs, but I refused to use a needle. You know, uh, those were just some of the boundaries and oh, killing, okay. taking a life. Do you love your dad? I loved him. I loved him as dad. But when I grew up, and, and coming to the knowledge that I have now, I understand he couldn't give me no more than he had. Right. You know, he the, he was limited to knowledge. He, he my mom met in a cotton field. She was 13. He was 11. They got married then and, and stayed together ever since. So they only had like a second, third grade education. But they, they didn't were, get married at 13, 11, but they met at that age. No, they got or they got married at you 13 about, years old. You're talking about what? Back in like 28, 39. Oh, I see. Like you know what I'm saying? I didn't so, know you could get married at 13, know, 11. Well, yeah. I guess you can. You know? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they, they had done that. So how old were they when they had you? Do you know? Uh, I have to do the math. I see. I'm 42, and she died. I guess somewhere around 37. Oh, you're the baby, though. I'm the oldest boy. Oh, you're the oldest boy. So too. I guess somewhere around 30, 32. Oh, they had you at pretty old age. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me my ask older you. sister. I had two older sisters than me. Oh, okay. Let me ask you, this. God. Who is God to you? Who is God? Who is God? He's the rock of my salvation. He's, he's my everything. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's someone who love never fail. He's someone. Do God love you? Yes, He loves. And how do you know? Man, because I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, because you're alive. Because I'm alive. He allowed me to breathe this morning. And so your evidence that God loves you is the fact that you can breathe and that you that here. I can breathe and. Uh, that he loved me so much that he sent his only son, you know, for someone wretched such as myself. How do you know that you believe in him? How do I know that I believe in him? Because I'm not the same guy. And I know I believe because there are evidence because I believe in him that have come to pass in my life by scripture. Uh, he says in this book, if 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 you choose this lifestyle, these things will happen. Right. And if you choose this, which I prefer you to choose this, these things will happen. If God took, if by chance you lost everything that you have now, I would still love you. If you lose your wife, you lose uh, whatever it is that you own, your business and I all that. Still love you would still believe in God. Believe in it. Would you still follow Him or something like that? Still follow Him. Yeah. I would be a Job. I would be a Joseph. I would follow Him. What, what, how would you tell someone, how, how, could, uh, how could a person find God? What are the steps to finding him or being born again? And how do you know for sure when you found him or when you're born again? 
Well, for me, from my experience, I believe everyone has their own uh, unique experience with God when they when they when they cry out for Jesus. Uh, I believe confessing and believing that Jesus is Lord, that He came and died by just saying, "I believe God Christ died for me," and, and, and invite Him into your heart and and and, and ask Him. And I use the word prune, prune me from anything that have caused me to be separated from my maker, you know. Uh, and the evidence of knowing, because once you cry out, and he say, when you do it with a sincere heart, will you be found by me? And when you cry with that sincerity, when that choice to do wrong, it's something about wanting to do wrong, that Holy Spirit is going to remind you of that cry. Yeah. For me, anyway, I don't know yeah. how you experience. So you couldn't do wrong now if you wanted to. I can, if I if I want, I have to be a choice, Jesse. Right. Is there anything inside of you that would want to do wrong? No, not at this moment. Yeah, you feel free I'm from doing wrong. Totally free. But I tell you, it's a it's always a flesh part of man and woman that uh, uh, we don't like invasion too well, and 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 so sometimes the flesh will rise. When we are being invaded, once we said don't invade, you know, and and yes, and right then, you know, you know, I done had workers that upset me, so I want to just, you know, get out there in the flesh with them. But once again, the Holy Spirit always remind me. Remember, you were worse than this. Yeah. You were worse than this. How do you, um, how do you feel about white people, white Americans? I I, I think of God. We just had a. a, a a great testimony to a guy yesterday at the church uh, concerning race. Uh, I feel that all men are equal. God made all men equal. I don't hold any grudges against any culture. Some things they do that I don't like, but then that's just my dislike. Yeah. But the word of God says I must love them, but I don't have to be with you to love you. Do you think that racism is holding you back? No, no, never have, never have. Never has held you back. Never have. So when you hear black Americans, not all of course, but most saying that racism is holding them back, what do you think? I you think you're just lying and that you need to <laughs> uh, study the scriptures and find out where we rebel from the beginning. Yeah. If you read the scriptures, you will find out that you had a little juice before the white man. And do you tell them that? Are we, we just taught that. She taught that two weeks Two black people? Two black people. And, and how did they receive it? They received it with open heart because that was a truth hidden from them. So was it like uh, to a, a group of church people? Yes. Or, or yes. A normal folks? No, church people. I mean, regular people. folks. Church people. And who you, have actually believed. Right. Because a lot of black people yeah. in church believe, don't believe yeah, that racism is holding do. them back. Yeah, yeah. But you can only hold yourself back. And so you said to them, it is not racism, it's, it's, it's you. you. It's you. And they said amen to that? You don't understand, brother. Well, you don't understand. And if you believe no, the God, yeah, but if you believe the God that you say you believe, you have to know everything happened according to what he wanted to happen. Because if you look way back then, and I always use the example, when have you ever known a black man to go sign a contract to bounce a rubber ball and get $130 million for five years. <laughs> when have you ever seen all these black people up in the politician arena? It wasn't heard of. So don't tell me that they holding you back. I have to ask you this because of time, too. What's your impression of 
black preachers? Most, not all, but most. Well, I always ask God for the discernment when I, I come encounter with a, a spiritual leader of a, a populated people. And, and most impressions are, uh, I respect the man. Because I feel if he if he claiming he have that title like you have that title right there, that reverend, you know, I, I'm believing you understand it and, and trying to live the best of your ability up to that, that But title. even if I was wrong and had the title reverend, would you still respect me? Not if I know you're wrong, just so yeah. I wouldn't respect you. I had to just call it truth, truth, <laughs> lie, lie. And so you, do you think that most black preachers are worthy of respect? Because they had a title? Or no, no, I don't think they earned the respect of the title, but maybe respect of their life. As style, a person. As a person. As but not necessarily. Behavior, as, not the necessary. behavior of the preacher. Right. Not the preacher, but the behavior of the preacher. I, I would have to respect that. How about the so-called black leadership, like Jesse Jackson, the NOACP, and others? What's your impression of them? I think they just serve that get-over spirit so damn well. So they have fooled so many people. Yeah. And I think it's coming down where the people, through means like you, are ex being exposed to this lie that they have put out there to the people. You know, uh, it was a proven fact to me where they really were when Al Sharpton got on TV with this young lady who claimed what she claimed, and then he yeah. was ready to go to war. To want a brawling. See? Yeah. Uh, but we find that this is what these people do, you know. When you were younger, did you believe them then and don't believe them now, or have sure, you? Sure, I, I had, I, I had a, 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 I had my attention in that area at one time. So you were influenced by them. You, a little bit. You believe that they were on the right just side. Like, exactly. Just like before I come into the knowledge of God, I thought every black person should be Democrat. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I did. Yeah. Until I found out that they believe everything God say. You shouldn't do right. homosexual abortion all this. Right. You know, they they are proving this, and I'm like, well, I've been on the wrong street for a while. So as a young black male, you believe these people, yes. the so-called leadership. Yes. But as you've gotten older yeah. and, and can see and for yourself, they you see you and start paying more attention to what they're doing, you know, yeah. and, and how they're doing it. You know? Why do you think so many other adult black people accept these people and go along with what they are about? Because that's two people in life. Yes, there are followers and there are leaders. Yeah. And, and most black people who follow people like this, they are people who want to be accepted amongst people who are identified as somebody. These people that identify as somebody, which we know who they serve. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and like we say, we have Christians right today who they will stand up and beat you up for Jesse Jackson. Yeah. Or Farrakhan. Yeah. And you're talking about Christian loving Farrakhan, something wrong with that picture. What's your impression of the church, both black and white, today, today's church? Today's churches, well, you know, since I've been out, and just to make it kind of short, I have spoken to Hispanic church, Caucasian churches, and black churches since I've been in this town that I live in. And I come to find that, that they are so complacent in the spirit that they have got off uh, the true word of God and have got caught up in programs. They are so caught up in programs and traditions 
When you say program, what do you mean? Oh, okay. examples. A program, okay. Well, we're going to come in at 11. We're going to be out here at 11.55. That's it. Oh, that's, that's it. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? We're going to pick up the money. That's it. And that's all you get for the week. An hour of God a week from the yeah. church. And something wrong with that. And the church is closed, maybe until Wednesday for another hour, a Bible study. And it's, that's it. Let me ask you this. If, if, uh, if you were raised by your father and mother, who love God and you love your parents, would you need the church? Yes. Why would you need them? Well, because the word of God said, don't forsake the assembly of the saint. I would need the fellowship. And you wouldn't be able to do that unless you went to a church? Oh, no, I fellowship. Me and my wife fellowship good. I fellowship good with God. I get along real good by myself. I'm my best self right. friend. But when you like fellowship with others I, out, I, like at work or? At work, uh, with men's, who, men's of standards, men's of principle, men's of integrity. So yes. why would you need to turn? If you had a good father, a righteous father and mother, and you, you're able to fellowship anyway with your wife and with other people, why would you need the church? Well, for, like I say, for just for the assembly, for the... Uh, just the fellowship. You but know. you're doing it anyway in, in your life, your daily life. Right. Well, I guess it's something that we have been conditioned to believe that this is the thing to do. Right. Did Jesus Christ ever have a church? Well, he was the church. Right, so he never had a church. No, I don't think he, he, went, <laughs> he went and turned over the tables in his... In so the, if he's in you and he never had a church, so, and if he is the church, then the church is always with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so if the church is always with you, you don't necessarily have to gather in a building you know. if you had... Good parents I guess you would go to gather to share some of this living water with those right. who are thirsty. Okay. I appreciate you coming on, Samuel. Yeah. It's been very, very interesting. Well, thank you for having me. I'm going to have you back with your wife one day. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. I'm founder and president of a nonprofit organization, BOND, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. You can reach us at 1-800-411-2663, 1-800-411-2663, or, or at our website, www dot bondinfo dot org b-o-n-d-i-n-f-o dot o-r-g we're 13 years old we're not a uh, governmental organization we're a private nonprofit organization and i believe in the perfect order of god in christ christ in man man over woman and woman over children it is a spiritual battle that we're fighting not blacks against whites or whites against blacks but good versus evil right versus wrong I'm committed to rebuilding a family by rebuilding the man. For an audio or video copy of this program, please call or write the address on the screen. Please include the program number when ordering.